get lit. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. Hey, hey. Also joining us, Mo Walker. Welcome. Hi, everybody. Dan can't be here because he's traveling for a wedding, and I won't even be able to pretend to say that I could pull off saying get lit because I can't and I didn't, but it is what it is. Um, There is a lot to discuss this week. We have the premiere of Black Lightning, which I will just say it was fantastic, at least in my opinion. Uh, Supernatural aired its backdoor pilot for Wayward Sisters, which I enjoyed. Riverdale is back, and Cheryl Blossom is as awesome as ever. And The Gifted had its season finale, which I know that both the two of you are really looking forward to talking about. But let's dive in to Black Lightning first. It stars Cress Williams as Jefferson Pierce, a high school principal, and a retired superhero by the name of Black Lightning. Now, Mo, I'm going to assume, maybe incorrectly, that you've read the comics. I have not, so I'm just taking this from like a purely lover of superhero television um, TV show standpoint. Did you read the comics, and what did you think of the premiere? Just in a uh, quick overview, and then we'll dive in a bit more later. Sure. Um, I, I am very familiar with the, the Black Lightning character from the comics. Uh, my uh, Actually, I'm more familiar with Black Lightning from his stint in Batman the Outsiders, which was a, a Batman spinoff comic that DC published in the 1980s. He's appeared in multiple comics since then. At one point, he was even um, became the Secretary of Education under Lex Luthor in the, in the 2000s. And overall, I thought it was a very fateful adaptation to the spirit of what the Black Lightning comics are about, or what the various miniseries and in, in his infrequent ongoing series have been about. I love that they pulled in some of the newer mythology, which includes his his, his daughters, excuse me. Um, I, I really much like the family aspect of it, and it really gets to the core about what this character is about. It's just about like trying to keep his community afloat, trying to make his community better. And I think it really much, that the pilot encapsulated all those things beautifully. Mel, what was your quick take on the pilot? Um, I really liked what I saw. Um, Cress Williams, who was on a, one of my other favorite shows, Living Single as Scooter, really great to see him. He's getting his grown man on, so I'm all about it. Um, uh, I overall, hate to break it to you, but he had his grown man on in Heart of Dixie, just saying. Ain't nobody was watching that with you. Okay, anyways. Um, anywho, uh, I really liked I liked the pilot. I did. I'm not gonna say I really liked it because that would be a lie. But I did enjoy it. I think the show has a lot of potential. Like you, Luke, I don't know much about uh Black Lightning because I didn't read any of the comics or anything. But um for what I did see, I enjoyed um I like the characters a lot. I think that's really what it has going for it. We can work on the story a little, but we'll get into that later. I thoroughly enjoyed Black Lightning. 
to the point where, for me, I think it used to be when because The Flash and Daredevil came out about the same time, and for me, they were like co-number ones on my list because Daredevil exemplified like the dark and gritty of comics and what you could do with it and the intensity, while The Flash was the flip side of having the joy and the humor and the fun of comics and so together they were they have been up until now my two favorite of the superhero tv shows black lightning for me though is sort of the perfect hybrid of both of those i love the fact that black lightning has the intensity and the what appears to be a a reasonable season spanning villain but at the same time, it also has some humor. I saw some complaints on social media about the costume, but I personally liked it. Um, I thought that it was understated. I thought that the dialogue and everything was stronger than any of the other CW superhero shows. I like the fact that it's not quite as big of a massive supporting cast. And in that way, it's more like Daredevil. For me, it's the perfect hybrid. Daredevil is still probably my number one, but Black Lightning, at least in the pilot, if I'm just comparing pilots between The Flash, Black Lightning, and Daredevil, Black Lightning did bump The Flash for me. What were your high points, uh, Mo? For me, the biggest, the thing I have enjoyed most about the Black Lightning pilot was Jefferson's relationship with his daughters. He had a lot of very real kitchen table discussions about with his daughters about um, how they carried themselves, how that their actions have consequences. It really just as someone who has worked with high school kids and and who has been in this environment, I, I felt like they really did touch upon a lot of things that were going on currently in society with, and it was a, in a very understated kind of way. So to me, again, the basis of all these really good DC shows from the Berlantiverse, et cetera, they begin with the characters and their interactions with the other people, whether they're part of their immediate family or their extended family. And from there, when they add the superheroics, it makes it a better show. But it's always about character and those family dynamics, first and foremost. And I think Black Lightning hit that nail on the head. Mel, what were the high points for you? Like Mo, I really enjoyed the family dynamic here. Um I also really enjoyed the fact that Jefferson is an educator. You know, he's a principal of a high school and you later find out that the only reason the school hasn't been touched is because he's been proactive and he's made a deal with the gangs. So no one will touch the school. I'm like, okay, that's smart. I like that a lot. I like that, you know, he has this kind of rich history and everyone in the town knows him. I thought that was really great. Um, I like the fight scenes as well, where you finally get to see him as Black Lightning you know, fighting villains and things like that. I thought that was a real advantage on this show, showing how everything works out. So um, those are probably my high points. Okay. Um, One of the things that I thought was interesting about this, and Mo, this may be something that I need you to clarify for me. Are his powers like the equivalent of Marvel's mutant abilities? Because his daughter also has them? Or is it something like, because, for example, with the Flash, that's something that happened to him. What is the Black Lightning's origin story as far as how he got his powers? Well, I mean, 
and and it's been changed a couple different times. And so um, he more or less it was an accident that gave him his powers. It, that was more or less the original version. And then when it came to his daughters, they more or less they are the they're with the DC equivalent of of mutants, which are people with the so-called metagene, which has been brought up in other Bullet verse shows, and then just something kind of tri- some inciting incident triggers their abilities. Um, but and until I'm I, I mean I'm sure they're going to get into the backstory about where exactly his powers came from, but um, but like I said, his when it comes to his daughters, they are they're more or less you might as well just say they're mutants. Okay. What did you guys think of the co- of his costume? Did you guys like it? Could it use some improvements? I thought it was actually really good. And compared to like the leather jackets that seem to be popping up on all the other uh, Barilanti shows of late, I was like, oh, this is actually unique. I thought it was okay. I, I don't know. To me, when he puts it on, I guess since he's such a big guy, it just looks kind of bulky. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I thought it was okay. Like it didn't. It wasn't like, wow, this suit is the bomb. I don't, mm, I didn't have a lot of feelings about the suit. I just thought it was okay. Mo? Well, yeah. Okay, yeah, I do agree. It did make him look a little bit bulky. It felt like he had, like, like football padding on to a degree around his, like, uh, like the shoulder pads kind of thing. I mean, in terms of, like, the look and the color scheme, it, it pretty much was more or less what his contemporary iterations of the of the of this costume look like i think the thing is in terms of like in the in the in the comics you know all their costumes tend to look like spandexy type stuff but i i didn't let me put it to you this way i after seeing the legion of superheroes costumes on supergirl i thought this was a thousand times better than those costumes um so I'm I'm okay with the costume. I mean, it, I'm not in love with it, but I don't really hate it either. I got caught up on Supergirl and watched that episode, and I was like, they bring them back to all put them in black leather. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm, trust yeah. me. You saw my rages on Twitter. I was, uh, mm, I was raging on Twitter about that. But anyway, this is... Mm, mm, uh, I'll leave that I, I like and I want to know more about uh, James Remar's Peter Gambini, the tailor who assisted him and has been supporting him. Can you tell can you get tell us a little bit about that character's uh, backstory, Mo? I that that character has not been in any Black Lightning comic okay. that I've ever read. That's what, so I, was, that's that's what I was wondering. That's, that's what I was wondering. Because I'll be go ahead, go ahead, Mo. Go I was ahead. just gonna say I I mean. The, the, again, most of my Black Lightning, com- the comics I've read involving Black Lightning have been Batman, The Outsiders, or some sort of Outsiders, or something related to... He's usually working with Batman in any of the comics that I've read. He's had some solo series and so forth, but I don't recall a tale in anything I've I've read. And um, But, I mean, I guess they... I mean, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying... like. I guess they had to have some sort of token white character in the show. I mean, okay, okay. Um, Mel, what did you think of the Black Lightning support person? Shall we say his sister? So we talked about <laughs> we talked about this on Twitter, and this is one of my Dan Pierce uh, trademarked. I have thoughts, things, because when he first came on, I was like, "Who is this, Alfred?" And I was like, "Wait a minute." <laughs> 
Wrong I thought show. that too. I thought I that too. I thought the exact they, same thing. What's happening yeah. here? Who are you? We haven't seen you before. I don't know anything about you. Okay, so I guess you're helping him along. Okay, so y'all know each other, but I still don't know you. I don't know anything about that. Where did this come from? I don't understand. So for all intents and purposes, this is his Alfred, I guess. Yes. I okay, and I like the actor. Like I, Jack, I like James Remar, but I'm just like, um, I need to know more about this rather than him just showing up at this dude's tailor shop, you know, after he's gotten injured. Because at first I was like, oh no, we're gonna rob the old white guy. Let's not do that, y'all. For but, a moment, I thought we were in the Kingsman. That's what I thought. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like it was just the what? No, what? So I mean. Maybe as it goes on more, I'll understand more and I like it more, but I'm just like, okay, I I guess if this is what we're doing, this is what we're doing. Okay. The other character that I can't wait to find more out about is uh, Tobias Whale. He looks like he is going to be a fun villain and not fun as in like, ha ha, but fun as in I'm actually concerned about what he could do. This was another one of those instances in which I felt very much a Daredevil deja vu from first season Daredevil, where you have Daredevil versus Kingpin. With the, his introduction and the, at the end of the episode and how that all fell into place, that was another one of those elements that for me made just helped raise this show above its fellow shows on the CW. Mo, um, what did you think of this character and how closely, at least from the little taste that we have, it, did it follow uh, the comics? Oh, very much in keeping with uh, with, with to, how Tobias Wells is portrayed in the character. It was very, it was very spot on, except obviously the character is much smaller than phys- physically than what he, how he's usually portrayed in the comics. Usually Tobias Wells in the comics is about the size of the kingpin maybe a little bit bigger but in that ballpark but um in terms of how he dispatched people that was a classic tobias whale move i like the the scene in which you know the person was in like had been put into the dunk tank to be eaten i mean um that was just those nice little touches like that it it shows that they've been doing their homework and been reading these comics and and incorporating little aspects of the characters. I f- think in in the one hundred, you know, that that criminal gang is a is is an old school Black Lightning concept as well. Um, I think that it will be really fun to see what they have, what they take from the comics, and what kind of spins that they put on because there really isn't a whole lot of material in the comics that they can borrow from. So it'll. It'll be great to see how how they interpret this um, these concepts. Mel, what did you think of what appears to be the season's big bad? Oh, I like him so far. Um, I like that the person that we thought was the quote unquote big bad, which is Lala, which I think is a terrible ga- name for a gangster. But um, you know, he actually fears his bigger boss, and we see him you know, get taken down by him and be, it, it lets you know that, hey, this is actually got the guy that needs to be feared. Like, Tobias, Tobias is the top dude. And I like that we only saw, you know, bits of him here and there until the very end. I thought that was really well done as well. So I'm definitely interested to see more from Tobias and what he can do with how far his power stretches. 
Before we go on, uh, we should probably touch a little bit on the cliffhanger, which was the fact that Nefessa Williams, who is a One Life to Live grad, um, and learned how to act. She did. I I don't know what it is, but this is like the second or third actor from a daytime. Well, let's see. Uh, Hartley Sawyer on The Flash has suddenly learned how to act. Nefessa Williams mm-hmm. has learned how to act. Uh, that baby from General Hospital who was terrible on General Hospital and is now on The 100 as Raven, whose name just for... Oh, you're uh, talking about the other Chris... Yes, the other Christina. Yeah. Oh, I know. She was she, the other she, Christina. Yes, the other Christina. She is vastly improved oh. on the 100 on the CW. I don't know what it is, but it's like they get their start in soaps, and they may not do so well, but between them and getting an acting gig on the CW, their acting seems to improve. But the episode ended with her character, Anissa, breaking the bathroom sink and the hint of superpowers, which, as I understand it, her father's Black Lightning, she's going to be called Thunder. Mo, what'd you think? Oh, I'm I'm excited to see Thunder, and uh, I'm really excited based on the casting that I've heard that they're going to bring in a character that's usually tied to um, Anessa Pierce's uh, Thunder, uh, called Grace. It'll be interesting to see how they interpret that character and especially their relationship. So that will be really interesting how they go there because um, let's just say in, in the black community there, you know, when we have discussions about homosexuality and so forth, it's it's always interesting how, how these things are, are discussed. And, and if they play it the way that they've played in the comics, there will be, it'll be again, another kitchen There'll be some kitchen table discussions, and and I'll, I'll definitely be here for that. And if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, the character, at least in comics, is a lesbian. And, correct. And so it may be one of those things where we may be seeing the first black female superhero lesbian? Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah, and, and, and in, yeah, and in depending on how they interpret Grace, um, she could be an, an Asian. She's... It, that it, depending on the depictions, it's really kind of wonky how they do it in the comics. But a lot of times, often Grace is portrayed as, as being of some sort of Asian descent. Um, so that will be also being interesting if we have an, an Asian superhero, uh, another Asian superhero as well, and and having those discussions about sexuality as well. It, it, it could be some really interesting stuff that they're not doing on any of these other CW shows, and in, in in the manner in which I think Black Lightning w- would discuss these topics, given, yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I really like about Black Lightning is that it does, it, it may be episodic, but it's not going to be episodic the same way the other shows are. And that's not to say the other shows are bad. Some of them, especially like Legends of Tomorrow, have really come into their own by being episodic, whereas the first season of Legends of Tomorrow was terrible in part because they're season-long story arc was just shit Uh, but since they've gone to more episodic content it's gotten much better whereas black lightning if it follows a daredevil path at least the way it seems to be for me based on the pilot i could really be into that mel um what do you think of thunder or what did you think of the tease of thunder i should say oh i am all about it giving his daughter superpowers as well. We know that she's super strong. We don't know what else she can do, but I'm definitely interested to find 
find out. I want to know how he's going to react to that because it seems Jefferson has a whole complex about his Black Lightning character. So, um, persona, rather. So I definitely want to see how he's going to react to his daughter having superpowers and how everyone else is going to do it and how she learns how to control them. There's lots of story potential there, so I'm all about it. And then y'all just told me she's going to be the first Black lesbian uh, superhero. Yes! More power to her. I'm all about it. Let's talk a little bit more about some girl power, or I think I'm going to talk a little bit more about girl power because I'm pretty sure neither of you have watched the episode, but Supernatural did the backdoor pilot for Wayward Sisters, which is going to star one of my all-time favorite actresses from uh, Another World. She played Cindy, Kim Rhodes. Drink. She, she went on to, she went on and had other, has been on other shows. I believe, what was the Disney Channel one where, about the two boys in the penthouse or whatever. I think she was on that the one. Sweet Life of Zach and Cody? The sweet... Yeah, there we go. Yeah. That was way too childish for me. But um, I think, hey, she, I think she, show. I think she was on there, if I'm not mistaken. But she's been a recurring character on Supernatural for years. Um, also, a character that has popped up was Sheriff Donna uh, Hanscom, who plays a very much a Minnesotan-type um, uh, sheriff who hunt now hunts vampires. So she's returned. We've had Catherine Newton returned as Claire Novick. A number of these character, female characters who have been on Supernatural for the past few seasons in episodes or multiple episode arcs are now coming together in what appears to be a very strong pilot for the Supernatural spinoff. Now, Supernatural has attempted one before. It was not good. This one, I thoroughly enjoyed. I love the girl power element. They very much have the guardian watcher aspect, if you would, from Buffy, um, where they're sort of like the mentors to these other young girls. And it turned out really well. The whole episode was about how they were going to find, like searching for Dean and Sam who were missing. But as a, as a backdoor pilot, I'm on board. I will be if they if this actually comes to a series order, I will be watching this series because it's gritty, just like Supernatural. There's the same amount of like stabbing and slashing that you would get in the from the horror aspect, but they're characters that I care about for the most part. There's some newer ones that I'm not as familiar with, but for the most part characters I care about. And it's a whole bunch of girl power to see the five of them team up and fight things. That was a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to it. So if someone who isn't very familiar or versed in Supernatural were to watch the this backdoor pilot, how new viewer friendly was it? It was actually extremely. They, the entire premise of it is that the first of all, it starts off with a whole bunch of flashbacks for the other characters. So it gives you a taste of their interactions with Sam and Dean prior to the episode. Second, um, it's pretty much self-contained in the women's story in the, from their point of view, searching from Sam and Dean. It only cuts to Sam and Dean on their own occasionally. It's almost told primarily through the women's standpoint. And in that story, you're able to get what each of those person's strengths or weaknesses may be. 
you don't have to have watched anything in Supernatural really to understand what this pilot was, if this or what this pilot is. If you were someone who had never watched it, you could be, okay, these are five women who are trying to search for friends. And okay. that that would be basically all you need. But at the same time, you're getting all of the good horror elements that Supernatural provides. Okay. Thanks. Uh, I know that you guys haven't watched the Wayward Sisters backdoor pilot, but you did watch the season finale of The Gifted. Mel, I believe it was your best show of the season. Mm -hmm. On our year-end podcast, the two-part year-end podcast, which you can go back and listen to if you haven't checked it out. (laughs) What did you think of the season finale? I really enjoyed this finale. Um, It was two episodes. Uh, so it's a two hour finale. So they just did the last two all together, but I really enjoyed it. Um, we kind of start off with our struckers in crisis as usual. Um, their grandmother, uh, is being targeted by Sentinel services. So they're trying to figure out how to save her. No one has seen them. They go to her job, track her down. And, um, of course, daddy strucker, uh, wants to know, you know, did she know anything about them being mutants, so on and so forth? She says no. We get a little bit more details with that. Um, I thought all of that kind of played to the family aspect of the show. Then we have our heroes who, in the first episode, are all together. They're trying to take down, I think the guy's name is Campbell. Don't quote me on that. But he's our main villain that's running the basically mutant test lab where we're, you know, doing experiments on mutants and manipulating their powers and making them do what you want. And they're kind of trying to take him down, but they're having differences um, in between themselves. You know, a group of them want to just completely use their powers, tear them apart, forget about it all. Who cares? We can take them down easily. And the other ones are like, no, we should probably be civilized about this. So, and that's a big theme. You know, if you know anything about X-Men is that, you know, we're all mutants, but they're mutants divided. So, um, and basically it's them fighting the whole time. And in the end, our two groups separate and me and Mo and I were talking about this before the podcast and Lorna, who plays, uh, Polaris goes straight up Magneto in this. Okay. She's like, no, forget those people. We are the dominant species. I am taking matters into my own hands. Whoever wants to come with me can come, but this is what I'm doing. And, Basically, in the very end, Campbell's on a plane, you know, trying to get away. And Lorna, literally, Polaris, rips the plane out of the sky (laughs) with her powers. And it was fantastic. So this was a really great episode. I think it set up a really good season, two. Kind of keeps really true to the X-Men through line of our two. We're all mutants, but we're not all together. So I, I really enjoyed it. Mo, what did you think? Well, yeah, Nell did a wonderful job of summarizing that plot of the last two episodes of The Gifted. I mean, if if you're an X-Men fan, you know, the fact is that they take all of these secondary X-Men characters and kind of mix them up into a pot and you get some really interesting interactions. I mean, Paul, uh, Lorna Dane, who, as Mel said, the character in the comics has always had some mental instability issues 
And you and the actress who portrays her does a really good job of displaying that. And it's been building to this crescendo the entire season. And then like when she rips that plane out, it's just it just break and that it just reaches a crescendo and a high point at that point. And you know, it's so she's it's so wrong that she wants to kill uh Campbell, but at the same time you know you just feel in the inside of you that you know she's doing it for the right reasons um one of the later additions that uh to this uh, first season of the gifted have been the stepford cuckoos who are the um the triplets who have tele- telepathic powers and are kind of manipulating they are things creepy as shit <laughs> and so they are and i'm assuming cuz based on what how they i mean the way that they don't flat out tell you how each character is related to an X-Men character or whatnot. They just kind of drop you these little kernels of nuggets of information. Mm-hmm. If you are versed in X-Men comics and so forth, you know that this, those, the, the, they are all the clones of Emma Frost. And like, Emma, like the villainous Emma Frost, they're very manipulative. They're inciting doubt and sowing seeds. It's, I hope that, 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 that actress sticks around because I, lo- I love to see where they where they take those characters um just even the the development within the strucker family itself was kind of interesting in in this finale because you know you through again throughout this this first season you know you've seen that rift between the, the two siblings lauren and andy kind of build and andy is like i feel like he's gonna start wearing like a magneto is right t-shirt or something because yep. it feels like <laughs> He is like so he wants to be a junior magneto or he wants to be his his great his great grandfather. Um, you know, he, he he keeps looking at these photos and stuff of the Strucker twins and just feel like, yeah, like, you know, you know, they were powerful. They just like they kicked ass. They just didn't take any names. Um, so it's 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 within those two, Lauren and Andy, you really see a bit of that classic Professor X magneto dynamic and with their father reed Strucker, i'm kind of interested because again they keep talking about how his how his mutant gene has been suppressed and it kind of makes me wonder if one of the plot threads of season two is going to be what if he suddenly gets powers and what would those powers be um, but I also like the notion of that they, they are interjecting the Hellfire Club into this as well, which is a classic X-Men um, villain team. And interestingly enough, like when The Gifted was being developed as a series, Fox was also developing a Hellfire Club series as well. And so it's kind of funny that now all of a sudden they've taken the Hellfire Club and have kind of dovetailed them into The Gifted. So I- I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, season two of the series. I am not caught up. Um, the last episode that I am caught up on, or the most recent episode that I've watched, because I've been trying to marathon them like crazy amongst other shows to get caught up on everything, it was the episode in which the Stepford Cuckoos were revealed um, when they were busting everybody out. Creepy as F. Creepy, creepy, creepy. Mm-hmm. But it was so good, and I'm... Back in the day, do you remember when Emma Frost had her own comic book uh, line for a short period of time in the early yes, 2000s? I, remember when... I read that, and that made Emma Frost one of my favorite Marvel characters of the, or mutant characters. 
And so I would, but I was not aware of their connection to her. So now I'm even more intrigued because she, she holds a special place in my heart. Um, Cannot wait to see how that plays out. Melody, Melody, Melody. We have to discuss Mm -hmm. Riverdale because it is back (laughs) and the schools have been combined and Cheryl Blossom is my spirit animal. Veronica is there trying to welcome in the snakes and all the other people from the other school. And Cheryl Blossom just comes in and throws down and I was in heaven. What did you think of the latest episode of Riverdale? Uh, Latest episode of Riverdale, I definitely thought it was an improvement from all this Black Hood nonsense because I was about sick of that. We kind of got back to our characters and our stories, and I like that. I like that the schools are merging because it makes everyone be in the same place at the same time, so no more separation. Cheryl and Veronica are at it once again. Two strong women. You know, Veronica kind of seems to be a little bit more on the straight and narrow these days. You know, her dad... By Mark Consuelos is back in town. Um, she's with Archie and Cheryl is just Cheryl. She's like, look, we're not welcome in none of these people. They get on my nerves and you know this. My grade also, point average is not going to suffer. <laughs> right. I also like um, Cheryl and her mother going back and forth because, you know, Cheryl's mom is now a lady of the evening and she yes. is owning it. She's like, yep. And I sure did. I provide them a little bit of pleasure. I do something strange for a little bit of change, okay? And what? And Cheryl's like, Mom! And Cheryl's mom is like, girl, you better go on. Get out of my face with this, okay? She, so thought, she's owning it as much as Betty's mom did when she walked in uh, to that party with the snake necklace around her neck. I mean, she's just totally yeah, she owning did. it. That was really great. Um, there is also a story as well with... Um, Archie and the FBI where it's something to the effect of they think that uh, Veronica's father is engaging in a little criminal activity again and they need to get evidence on him. So they go to Archie and try to um, get evidence. He ends up going back to Zach from The Good Wife. I don't know his name on this show, but... um, he was the creepy guy that tried to rape Cheryl and rape Veronica. And he ends up going to them, going to him to try and get more information. But he gets another check for Cheryl because the family is a little down on money. He ends up beating him up. So we don't know the outcome of that story. There is another story going on with Betty Cooper and Alice Cooper where um, Alice had given a baby up for adoption. He's all grown up now. Chick is his name, Charles. She goes to see him. He doesn't want anything to do with them. Betty, as we know, can't leave anything alone. She ends up going back. Um, Chick is in some shady business as well. He ends up um, getting hurt, so she just brings him home. They have to try and put him back together. Um, The whole deal with the serpents. They're in Riverdale High School now, and they are getting treated like garbage, as usual. We get the serpents a little bit of a break, guys. Come on. So um, I thought it was a decent episode for you know for it to come back from the mid-season finale. I think it sets up a lot of story. There is still no Josie. Other I than was the fact that she mentioned Josie. that she's no longer part of the Pussycats. That was like, like she showed up for one scene. 
for one, yeah, and then left. I was promised more Josie this season. There has not been more Josie, and I'm still upset about that because she is supposed to be a main character. Where is she? See, watching Black Lightning, all I could think was, okay, I know that they have stated that Black Lightning is not going to be in the Arrowverse, but I was like, can we please have Riverdale and Black Lightning be in the same universe so that Josie can like cross over to Black Lightning for some sort of like high school competition with the youngest Pierce daughter? I was like, I could totally be up for that type of a crossover episode. I agree, Mel. I thought it was a strong comeback. I'm glad that we do not have the murder, serial murder mystery as front and center. It was a little bit Pretty Little Liars for me. And I love the first few seasons of Pretty Little Liars, but that's not the reason why I'm watching Riverdale. I'm watching Riverdale for the high school relationships and how those ebb and flow and the struggles that they have while also impacting the wider family. That's the reason why I watch Riverdale. I loved that Cheryl was blackmailing Archie about being on the wrong side for helping the serpents. I loved the fact that as you pointed out, Cheryl's mother is embracing her, her new profession. I love the fact that the lodges are just in Investing the the town to the point where now they own more of the Andrews construction business because they paid off Fred's $86,000 medical bill and he's going to pay them back and let them buy back the uh, like let them let him buy back the what they've um, bought from him. Do we any believe that that's actually going to happen? No. <laughs> Betty is meddlesome as ever. I like Betty and Jughead apart. They, I was never really um, a Bughead person. Preach. I, uh, the, like, I like Betty by herself, especially when she's dark Betty. But I also like her as good girl Betty. I don't. I'm not usually a big fan of good girl meddlers, but she's one of those exceptions. Jughead, it's good to have him back in the main school. God, is he just a frustrating character. Like, he spent the first season moping. And now this season, he is... Got a giant... He has a giant chip on his shoulder to the point where I was like... When he went and made like started into one of his speeches and you thought he was going the direction of like racial discrimination and the, the other people were looking at him and then he was like, they're discriminating us against us based on a jacket. And now he's like walking into school and getting himself ex- like suspended because he's wearing the jacket. That type of story where you have someone who is trying to do something for the right reason really is better told through Betty or Veronica than it is through Jughead, at least from my perspective. I would like to see Jughead, of everything that goes that has gone on with um, Riverdale, that is the one area that I would really like to see that character just sort of tweaked. Um Archie is still Archie. He is basically reactive to everybody, but he keeps himself mixed up in things and I'm okay with that. But I'm it was a it was a strong return at least for me. Mo, anything else that's been catching your attention 
Any comics or anything? Well, uh, have you been reading the new Jean Grey or anything? I have been reading the Jean, the, the Jean Grey comic. I'm kind of it, it's at an interesting crossroads because of what happened in the in the last issue, and now that they're bringing back the adult version of Jean Grey in a there's a X-Men miniseries, uh, Phoenix Resurrection, which is bringing her back. And then that character is going to have her own comic, which is called X-Men Red. You know, not, you know, it's very similar to Mountain Dew Red, which will be starting in uh, February. So I'm, I'm actually looking forward to, to X-Men Red uh, because I like the creative team who's, who's working on the character. Uh, plus, plus the adult version of Jean Grey has been dead in comics since the mid-2000s. So... Uh, but I have been watching The Magicians, which is back on Sci-Fi. I've been really enjoying it that. Is. Yeah, and um, Star, uh, Star Trek Discovery started up again uh, as well. It's been and two. There have been two episodes of that since since the uh, break, and I'm really interested in that. And I'm looking forward. There's a new Star show that's about to start called uh, Counterpart with uh, J.K. Simmons. Okay. Which is about that. That's about a parallel uh, world. I based on what I've seen, it's it's um, the the trailer and so forth. It looks really really interesting and and, and sort of uh, and and slightly creepy as well. But I'm I'm a sucker for alternate realities and so forth. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, and of course, of course, you know, I'm counting down the days until Black Panther comes out. Hell to the yes. Putting you both on notice, you better watch it Friday or Saturday night because we will be recording that episode promptly on Sunday. Mel, what have you been um, keeping up with in Geek this last week? Well, I happened to be watching TV. I was watching the Sci-Fi Channel, and a little preview came up for a show that I didn't know anything about and made me excited. So it's called Krypton. Now, this is the story of what happened on Krypton before we even get to Superman, kal all that. This is a story about his people, about Jor-El and Segel and all those people. So from the preview, it looked really good. And I also thought it was an interesting take on the story rather than everything focusing on Superman like it does or we flash back to what happened on Krypton. This is the story of what happened there. And from the preview, it looks really good. And it's enough to make me at least check it out when it finally does come out, which is on March 21st, 2018. So I will definitely be in there like swimwear. And, of course, Black Panther. <sighs> we are less than a month away, people. I'm excited. I cannot wait to see Michael B. Jordan in all of his glory just going badass oh, against... Hallelujah. The... Yes. Yes. <laughs> It is going to be wonderful. Um, like Mo, I've been catching up on the magicians. I, since I use YouTube TV now instead of having cable, I really like it. But the the interface doesn't quite prioritize the most recently recorded shows um, the way I that the way I would like them to. So I have to always go in and double check to see if there's new episodes. Um, but I watched the season premiere. I think I watched the second episode. If not, I have it waiting for me to watch. The first two seasons of The Magicians, there have been times during the season where I'm like, oh, because things happen that just make me cringe. Now that we're into the third season, the cast members are all gelling. Even though they've been in like divergent storylines, they're all starting to come together. And... The fact that they were using bunnies to try and reach out for to to Earth, uh, to to Earth's realm for help to get to reach their friends, I like that. There's a lot of stuff that's going on, and I feel like the Magicians is definitely hitting its stride. 
I cannot believe we are almost done with January. I feel like it will be next week and we will be at summer TV season again. And I feel like there is just not enough time because we have Black Panther coming up. We have the Avengers Infinity War coming up. Wrinkle in Time. Cannot wait for that because it, that trailer, every time I watch that trailer, I get chills and i don't know why but it looks like so much fun but how can you beat reese witherspoon oprah winfrey and mindy kaling in a in a fantasy storyline i don't know i don't understand how it could get much better than that um we would encourage you to comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com follow us on twitter twitter.com gkconfidential like us on facebook facebook.com gkconfidential we uh you can find mo at Dr. Mo 77. Yes. And Melody is at Melody Akles. And I am at Yes, Luke, sir. And I am at Luke underscore Kerr. We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. And don't forget to watch Black Lightning.